0: evidence and answers. Has Noah's Ark been discovered? Have we found the chariot wheels of Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea? Is the Ark of the Covenant under Golgotha? Are these valid discoveries or are they false claims? There are several false claims and many Christians have been misled by pseudo-archaeology. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Pat recently concluded a conference hosted by the Waalei Baptist Church in Hawaii. Pat explained how to discern between legitimate and pseudo-biblical archaeology. Now with the conclusion to Session 1 entitled Archaeology in the Bible is our host, Pat Zugran.
1: Science has shown miracles don't happen. So the Bible was pretty much being discarded as folklore. Well, suddenly you see these archaeologists or treasure hunters coming home from the Middle East with all these artifacts and Bible scholars were getting excited saying, wait a minute, we need to answer these Enlightenment thinkers and the rise of liberalism coming on. So they got excited about archaeology over there. Now, Following Boda was Matthew Flinders' Petrie, And this is when Near Eastern archaeology in the 1900s took its first step into becoming a real art and a science. He made excavation and detailed systematic study of archaeological sites. He's the first one who discovered the importance of stratigraphy. Where we find these sherds of pottery in the strata layers can determine when these civilizations were around and when these events took place so he's the first one that discovered the importance of ceramic typology so i have him to thank for hours and hours of having to study pottery sherds and so he really developed this and he's considered the founder of modern archaeology biblical scholars gain an interest in their excitement said now we've got evidence for the old testament here And it seemed like the discoveries they were making there in the Levant and in the Middle East began confirming the Bible, all right? And excitement was growing. So biblical archeologists and Bible scholars eager to answer the challenges of the higher critics, the liberal scholars that were now challenging the historical integrity of the Bible in their eagerness to answer them Were making what they thought were discoveries that confirmed the Bible, all right, and making those claims, despite the fact that they were making claims of having discovered cities, places, events. Higher criticism and liberal theology was winning the day there in the West. Now, in the mid 1900s, here, this is the golden age of biblical archaeology. You have several giants in the field of biblical archaeology here. John Garstang, professor of archaeology at the University of Liverpool. He did his excavations at the city of Jericho. All right, his famous study. And he supposedly discovered that the date of Jericho matched the conquest of Joshua. And that the walls fell outward. And it thrilled the Bible world that now we have confirmed Jericho and the dates of the conquest. And boy, people were saying, not only is the Exodus fiction, the conquests are fiction as well. Well, here you had a discover, monumental discovery that confirmed Jericho and the Bible. Nelson Gluick followed him. He's the president of Hebrew Union College in Cincinnati. And he went on to discover more sites along with Garstang that confirmed the Old Testament accounts. William Albright here, he is a giant in the field of biblical archaeology. He's probably the most influential ancient Near East scholar of the 20th century. And he was convinced that he found evidence that supports the patriarchs, Moses, and a conquest. The vast, vast majority of biblical scholars and Old Testament archaeologists, even today, believe that the Old Testament is fiction, all the way up to King Ahab king ahab is when real history starts because that's when we have real historical records here of the nation of israel all right but william albright said he had found solid evidence that confirms the stories and times of the patriarchs moses and the conquest all during the middle bronze age and then ernest wright a disciple of albright further followed his study well, following them came this figure who is also a giant in the world of biblical archaeology. Her name is Kathleen Kenyon, and her studies are what archaeologists still refer to to this day. She's a key figure because she's the one that turned biblical archaeology, all right? That's where biblical archaeology took its turn. And if you're evangelical, it took a turn for the negative with the increase An advancement in technology as archaeology was developing she began her studies and looked at Jericho and she came to different conclusions she said Jericho fell in 1550 BC the Exodus is supposed to occur in the 1400s if the city was destroyed in 1550 BC if there is such a thing as an exodus and a conquest Joshua came to an empty city all right, there's nothing there. There's not really a story about falling walls and you know, walls come tumbling down and all this. That's just folklore, okay? Hey? fiction. That might have happened to Jericho hundreds of years earlier. And Joshua heard about it. Then they made up the story of how we came into Israel and how the land of Canaan, we, we conquered this whole thing. So then they looked at the city of Ai at Etel, and they said, hey, this city fell hundreds of years before Joshua came to Canaan as well. All right, this was an abandoned city. These stories are all made up. And that was a death blow to biblical archaeology. And many biblical archaeologists, you know, in their excitement and zeal to prove the Bible true, had come to the wrong conclusions. Because they made the conclusions a little bit too quickly in their excitement to confirm the Bible. And as more studies were done, it was concluded by the archaeological world. They concluded Genesis all the way to Solomon was just folklore and fiction mixed with some facts here. So at the end of the 20th century the academic arena was calling for the end of biblical archaeology. All right, so by 1985 the belief in the historical nature of the hexateuch, the first 6 books of the Bible was considered largely fiction okay, by most of the Old Testament and the archaeological world. And It concluded the archaeology of Albright and Wright and other evangelical archaeologists pretty much was incorrect. A guy named William Deaver is credited with killing biblical archaeology there in the 80s. Amahai Matzar is considered a centrist, a middle-of-the-road guy, but he views the patriarchs as mythical israel finkelstein one of the most influential archaeologists today one of the top scholars representing the minimalist school believes the hexateuch is largely fiction israel was just a canaanite tribe that's what they were they were a bunch of canaanites living in the land of canaan and they became a powerful tribe in about thousand bc and then a group of priests in about the seventh or eighth century in an attempt to unite these canaanite tribes together and say the capital of our nation of our little empire here is jerusalem and the place of worship here is jerusalem now in order to convince everybody to do that we got to make up some kind of history all right so they made up the whole story of the exodus and the patriarchs and the conquest king david king solomon they made up all those stories to convince all the tribes, Jerusalem is our capital, and this is the center of worship, and it's rooted in all this history that really didn't happen. That's what they began to, and it's still the majority of archaeologists and Old Testament scholars in the liberal camp hold to that position. So biblical archaeology seemed to be waning and going down in the 80s, and into the 90s so by 2000 there was a consensus that biblical archaeology was dead and the torah was pretty much mythical in nature bible scholars and archaeologists then should not rely on old archaeology a critical scholar said we got to separate the bible from archaeology new technology is giving archaeology better results now but Suddenly in the 90s, so this is how recent, how young biblical archaeology is, the pendulum has begun to swing back the other way. There's been a resurgence in biblical archaeology. New studies are beginning to report that we are making discoveries with the new technology that we have that are providing new evidence in support of the historical integrity of the Old Testament. And we have a bunch of new evangelical scholars coming upon the scene who are making some very significant studies now. And since 2000, there has been a resurgence in biblical archaeology as we have made some exciting discoveries confirming the historical (laughs) integrity Of the Old Testament, and the New Testament is pretty much a dead issue now. All right, archaeology has pretty much shown the Gospels and Acts are historical. Okay, I mean archaeology almost has laid that one to rest. We're still fighting over the Old Testament, right? But we've got some exciting archaeologists coming upon the scene. Stephen Collins, the guy in the cowboy hat there—that's my professor that I'm doing my doctoral work under now. He's provided a new approach that we're going to talk about when we study the Exodus, the dialogical approach, showing how archaeology and the biblical text must be in constant dialogue, and the two need to continue to speak to each other. Kenneth Kitchen, in his monumental work on the reliability of the Old Testament, it's a book about that thick. I've read it through once, and I hope to read it through again. But when he finished it, he called Stephen Collins and others and he said, I have put the death nail into the higher criticism of the Old Testament. Okay, that's how monumental his work was and just how outstanding it was in answering the challenge of the higher critics. And so we've got a whole host of biblical scholars upon the scene now, and there has been a resurgent of biblical archaeology. Now, how to approach archaeology there's two incorrect approaches here one is called extreme minimalists where they say archaeology should be completely separated from the bible archaeologists should only look at archaeology and not at the bible you don't want that position and you don't want extreme maximalism either extreme maximalists say the bible takes precedence and archaeology only supports the bible any archaeology contrary to our interpretation should be thrown out and ignored. That's the extreme maximalist position. We're going to approach it this weekend through what we call the dialogical or correspondence approach. Okay, the Bible and archaeology come from the same soil. Both should be studied instead of one taken and the other dismissed too early. The Bible and archaeology should be complementary, right? Just like when you approach science, special revelation and general revelation come from the same creator and they need to dialogue with one another they both reveal the glory of god and they both should match up when they don't we have to take a good look at both same thing here with archaeology and the bible where there appears to be conflict you don't just throw out archaeology and say well my interpretation of the bible is right if this archaeology throw it out And you can't say in archaeology, well, it doesn't match up with the Bible, throw the Bible out. You have to look at both, okay, and study both. Say, is the data right? Do we need to wait for more data? How good is it? Is our interpretation of the data right? And you need to look at the biblical passage and say, have we interpreted the Bible right? The Bible is not wrong, but our interpretation of it can be. So we have to look and say, did we interpret this passage correctly? Is there another way to look at this that matches the two together nicely? Okay, and we'll do some of that tonight and tomorrow. And there are two things that we look at. We look at cultural specificity and historical synchronism. Culture in given locations and in given times are different. All right, so looking and studying at the culture can give us a good date on when things happen and where they happen and what's going on in the historical context historical synchronism not only do you look at the archaeology in israel you look at what's going on in the neighboring areas in the empire of Hatti, at Mitanni, in assyria in egypt and where you have lines of correspondence where they converge okay then that gives you a clue as to what happened and when it happened and we're going to see that come together with the exodus so that's the approach that we're going to be using and we're going to be looking for these things cultural specificity and historical synchronisms and seeing getting our clues and looking at both the archaeology and the bible now one last note here bogus archaeology there's a lot of bogus archaeology out there I get emails on this all the time. A lot of what we call bogus archaeology out there. And the basic principle is this, if it sounds, it's like if you're searching for a house or a car, right, used car, if it sounds too good to be true, it just might be. Be careful on this one. You got a lot of bogus archaeologists out there, okay? There's a guy named Ron Wyatt, Uh, I get his stuff all the time, he died recently. But uh, he's a retired nurse with no archaeological background, proclaimed himself an archaeological expert. He claims to have found the chariot wheels of Pharaoh. You might have heard this because it made big news in the evangelical world, and they were showing movies about this in churches all over the world, especially during the 80s and 90s. He said he dove down to the Red Sea where there's a land bridge, and this is where the Israelites crossed, and then Pharaoh's army chased them. Into the Red Sea, and here are the chariot wheels of Pharaoh there. Well, this was discredited by numerous archaeologists. These are not the chariot wheels of Pharaoh, these are just reformations here. This is a doctored photo, all right? And there did find wheels at the bottom of the Red Sea, those were engine turbines. Divers came and brought them up, and it was a joke. Everybody knew it in there. This is a joke. The divers came and said, look, we found the chariot wheels of Pharaoh. Well, Wyatt took it and ran with it and made tons of money saying he discovered the chariot wheels of Pharaoh. And when it's been disproven, but hundreds of thousands of Christians bought into it, were using it in apologetics. And then when real archaeologists saw it, they said, hey, what are you Christians doing? That's why we can't believe in you apologists and defenders of the faith. You know, you guys use bogus archaeology and we had egg all over our face. Noah's Ark. Here's another one from Wyatt. We discovered Noah's Ark there in the foothills of Turkey. In this rock formation here, you see a boat. And that's Noah's Ark. Okay, he wrote books on it and made a lot of money as well. Well, if that's Noah's Ark, there's seven of them. There's seven rock formations like that in this park. This park is called Noah's Ark these are rock formations they look like boats but that's all they are they're rock formations oh here's another good one all right the ark of the covenant indiana jones it has been found ron wyatt found them you know where it is it's in golgotha okay those of you who've been to israel you know where golgotha is it's the mountain the eyes it's got the eyes and the face and it's a bus station now. It's all fenced off. You can't go in there anymore, but it's next to the garden tomb site. Right? If you look across the parking lot, you can see Golgotha, where Jesus died. But underneath Jesus, you know where the eyes are and the mouth of the mountain, there's the Ark of the Covenant. And the blood dripped down from the cross and landed on the Ark of the Covenant, sanctifying the death of Christ and they've done blood studies on the ark of the covenant and found that it's missing the uh, male chromosome because he's virgin born all right and he made a lot of money you can still go on the internet and read his bogus article on this issue and i've had christians crucify me because i said this is bogus and they said there's a movie he filmed the ark and i said what happened did everybody melt like Indiana Jones? Ah, they said, no, you got to see it, Pat. So I said, okay. So I said, so anyway, they go into the cave, supposedly, with this, uh, what do you call it? That uh, machine, you know, miniature mobile thing. And they're going in there, and it goes up, and when you see where the ark is, the camera gets there, and there's the ark, and suddenly, everything goes blurry. You can't see anything. It's blurry. Why? why it says because god didn't want us to see the ark it's too holy for us to see but it's there okay and he made tons of money and a lot of christians bought into it and fortunately a lot of apologists were using that in their defense here mount sinai has been discovered here there's a picture of it there it's still black on the top mount sinai here down in saudi arabia here see this mountain is black because the fiery clouds sat there and turned red well we've seen many specials on that well sinai is not in in saudi arabia okay when the people made the crossing it was at yom suf the sea of reeds somewhere up here and according to exodus 3:12 and exodus 8:27, mount sinai is about three days journey from egypt because moses went and he went back back and forth it's about three days journey well, if you're walking from the Nile Delta region here, you walk three days, you're going to end up somewhere in here. Okay, about 60, 80 miles at the most, okay, if you're walking pretty fast. All right? This is, this is week's journey all the way down here. And the crossing probably took place in the Sea of Reeds, okay, Yom Suf, somewhere up here. There's another bogus claim. Oh, giants in the land. This is a doctored photo that uh, you can see here. They said they discovered the Nephilim here okay? Why do these guys, if it's so bogus, why do they proliferate? Well, you really need to be careful, okay? There's a lot of money to be made in speaking. If I come in here and I say, I discovered the ark, I discovered the ark, and I have footage of it, I'd pack the place out. And I said, hey, Pastor Matt, I'll come here and I'll show you pictures of the ark and everything like that, but you got to pay me 10 grand to do that. All right, And a lot of pastors fall for it. Now, there's a lot of money to be best-selling books come out from these bogus guys. So dealing with you know, bogus archaeology, the reason they proliferate is that we Christians are gullible. We want to believe. We want to believe there's evidence for our faith out there. So we're quick to jump on something. But Jesus taught us to use discernment, but a lot of us don't. Okay, A lot of us are too quick to jump on something that... That sounds if the guy is a smooth talker, he's polished and convincing, we tend to jump on it quick. Some pseudo archaeologists are I think they're honest guys, they just don't know their archaeology. They don't have a background in it. Alright? But some are deliberately deceptive, making a whole lot of money out there. Pseudo archaeologists make some kind of find like a natural rock and you know say, Oh, this is it, this is the Ark of Noah. But what really drives them, like it says in the New Testament, is financial gain. There's a lot of money to be made out there if I make some significant discovery. So the basic guideline is this. Examine the archaeologist's background. Guys like Wyatt, he doesn't have an archaeologist's background. He's not studied in that area. So look at their background very carefully. It's just like, you know, you got a lot of people here talking, you know, experts on COVID or whatever. And you look up. They're a communications major or something, you know? It's like, well, if you wanna hear, you wanna hear from someone from the scientific field in biochemistry or immunology or something, or a medical doctor, same thing in archeology. span Look for peer review and related articles. If this guy found the Ark of the Covenant, you think everybody be in on it? Why is it that he's the only guy writing on it? No one else in the archeological world is writing on it. You know, if you really found something significant, Everyone's going to be writing and critiquing your work, right? Just like in science. If I discovered how we got life from non-life, you know, Darwinists have never answered that. But if I discovered it, let's say, i done the experiment that discovered how we got life from non-life. Do you think the scientific world be all over it? Absolutely. I'd be getting reviewed by everybody. Every scientist that's out there be reviewing me and my study. If it's genuine, I want them reviewing it. I want to see if it can stand up to their cross examination. Beware of conspiracy excuses. Okay? Oh, you know, you'll hear these guys. Why isn't it published? Why isn't it widely published? Oh, because it's such a powerful testimony to God that the non-Christian world and all these Christians who are not serious about God won't publish it. You know, because they'll know that they'll have to get serious about God and the Bible if they. So they they've suppressed my work. You know, because it'll change the world. They don't want, you know, beware of that. Like Wyatt, right? When they finally were able to photograph the ark, everything went blurry because God didn't want them to see the ark. You want to preserve the ark, okay? And finally, be patient, be discerning. If something comes out and it sounds too good to be true, be patient, okay, before you jump on it. Wait on it, wait on the data and see what comes of it. Are there reviews coming out? What are the other top archaeologists saying about it? So let's practice discernment here so we can discern truth from error. So that's a little bit of the history of archaeology.
0: We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. We have a wide variety of different topics that will make for an incredible conference series. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or even schedule a conference at your church or location, give him a call. In Hawaii, that number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence & Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Use our search engine for available resources. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share it with those around you. To keep quality broadcasts, like Pats on the Air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org, and you may do so right there online. Evidence and Answers would like to thank one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a great place to connect and grow in Christ, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. Church. For service times, log on at HonoluluChristian.org. That's HonoluluChristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucchera.